Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. All right, well tonight we are going to be starting on the last pillar of the Resilient Series. And we started this journey with the statement that God has a journey. He has something for us. And I I believe this is a journey worth taking. We are going somewhere. God is doing something with us. And And I really believe that the sequence of these pillars is significant. So we're going to start like we have done with each pillar, and you should have received an assessment, and I want you to pull that out because we're going to get to work, all right? So take out your resilient relational pillar assessment. Um, On the screen will be a QR code, but right there on that piece of paper is a QR code. We would love for you to take this online. That way we can take that data and be able to have it for the collective whole. So you can put your phone camera over that. It'll open up that website. But let's, let's get started here. Here is the first question. I regularly look for opportunities to speak life, hope, and truth into those in my life. Two, I'm able to be vulnerable in my close relationships in order to grow personally and relationally. I'm able to be vulnerable in my close relationships in order to grow personally and relationally. Number three, I am consistent in the time I spend with those closest in my life so our relationship can grow. Number four, others say I am a good listener. Others say I am a good listener, all right? Number five, I invest a good deal of time and energy in growing and deepening my relationships. Number six, I have friends I can always count on to be there for me. Always count on to be there for me. Number seven, I'm quick to release people from wrongdoing. Be honest. I'm quick to release people from wrongdoing. Number eight, I pay close attention to the relationships that nourish me versus the relationships that drain me. I pay close attention. Number nine, it's easy for me to express my needs in my relationships. It's easy for me to express my needs in my relationships. And number 10, I intentionally pursue Mending and reconciling relationships. I intentionally pursue mending and reconciling relationships. Okay, great. There'll be a score there. If you're just uh, on the paper, you can add up your score. But tonight, uh, I want to give us an opportunity to hear a message that's titled Christ-Centered Community. Christ-Centered Community. And this week has been sort of a reflective week for me, a reflection of some incredible uh, relationships that have been nurtured over several years here. This weekend, I get to attend the wedding of James Potter and Brooke, who you know here. And as I was reflecting on this, I was thinking about Several years ago, getting a chance to meet James, who's part of our church, and to walk 
with him through some difficult times and to see as he pursued and opened his heart in vulnerability and grew uh, himself in getting insight from the outside. And now I'm getting to see the culmination of God restoring innocence in his life and in Brooke, who is now really getting to experience you know, the, the thing that she has dreamed about her whole life. And I think that is just such, such an amazing thing to be a part of. And just this, this past weekend, there was a family in our church that was going through a job transition and things were difficult. Many in here sat and had conversations and prayed and walked through. And then I had the chance to be invited to bring my son and other teenage boys to do demolition work at the house that God had provided them. And just thinking about this community. And then just this week, we were down at the Tempe campus uh, for a night of honor and listening to story after story of deep, connected relationship. And as we shared in the transition of our Tempe campus and the feeling and understanding of loss that was taking place, it just awakened me to this phrase, Christ-centered community. And I just want to share with you tonight three reasons why we need it. Three reasons why we need it. Here's, here's point number one. We need each other. We need each other. Now, I don't know how many of you think about the songs that you sing in church. I don't know how often you really think about the words. But I, I just, just for a second, I, I just want you for a minute, I mean, Jesus said that he, he framed the, wor the world with the word of God, his words. But sometimes we don't think about the words that we sing. And I think sometimes they create a little bit of a narrative for us that moves us off course if we're not careful. Now, the sentiment of these words that we sing are sweet. And the, and the heart of these words are holy. But we do... Often, and we love these songs, so I'm not here to create any, you know, conversation, but I, I want you to just hear my heart. We sing songs like, you're all I need. You're all I want. All I need is Jesus, and they're beautiful. The heart needs God. But is it all we need? Is that a true statement? Genesis 2.18. It is not good for man to be alone. This is the first negative statement prior to the fall. And God is present with Adam. And this is the statement he makes. So much of the time, we, we have things that we say, and sometimes we just need to understand that in a culture, especially American culture, where we idolize independence, and for many men, the common narrative is, I've got to do everything on my own. I'm an island unto myself. I would just allow us for a second to just think for just a minute, because it isn't true that all we need is Jesus. We need each other. Jesus is the head of the, you can answer, the church. He's the head of the church. And, and if I've had one conversation, I've had a thousand conversations with people sitting and them saying to me, I just need Jesus. As if they're carrying a head around 
without the body. And it's kind of weird. But I believe that. We, you've heard it. I've heard it. People say that all the time. But the church, of which I also hear, I'm the church. No, we're the church. The church is a body of believers of which Jesus is the head and God the Father is the head of Jesus. See, God created the church to be a body of believers. He created a system in which we were to not only need him, but one another. He created for each of us a physical family, and he created for us a spiritual family, a Christ-centered community. Now, why? I mean, God functions in community. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And if you think about how the Trinity functions, it's an indication of why God desires for you and I to live in Christ-centered community. The Holy Spirit points to Jesus. Jesus points to the Father. The Father points to the Son. It's like they're in this beautiful relationship where they're all pointing at each other and there's beauty that's taking place. It's a picture for us. We're not wired to live life alone. It has nothing to do with whether you're single or married. God's answer to, to the ailments of our lives is found in community, not a crowd, but in community. And the church exploded when they worshiped in large gatherings and temple courts and in fellowship, in rich community, house to house. Romans 12.5 says this, since we're all one body in Christ, we belong to each other and each of us needs all the others. Look around and touch three people on the shoulder and say, I need you. Look them in the eyes. I need you. Okay? Now tell them, you need me. Now, now, now listen, this is important. It's not a passive statement, I need you. Or an aggressive statement, you need me. Although often that is where our mind shifts. It is an assertive statement. I need you, and you need me. I need you, and you need me. This is what God desired, not you complete me. I'm complete in Christ Jesus, but I need you, and you need me. In order to be all cre God created me to be, in order to be all God created you to be, you need me and I need you. And we need a revelation of this. At a time when isolation and fear of exposure and fear of rejection is running rampant, we need this. I was reading this study by Harvard social scientists who tracked the lives of 7,000 people over nine years. And they found that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die sooner than those with strong relational connections. They found that people with bad health habits, like smoking, obesity, alcohol use, but strong social ties, lived significantly longer than people who had great health habits, but were isolated. Apparently, it's better to eat ice cream with people than broccoli alone. 
I didn't do the research, there it is. But I need you to get this. We can't grow spiritually unless we connect relationally. And I want you to see this. Unless we connect relationally. And I've said this before, that communication is just an exchange of information. But connection is an exchange of humanity, it's an exchange of emotion, and it's an exchange of divinity. Connection is what God desires. But culture has trained us. It's a culture of chaos. It is a culture of assault and withdrawal. We're enslaved by achieving things. But achievement and connection are part of what God desires, bearing fruit. But achievement done the right way for the right reasons. But it's not a substitute for connection. The richness of life is found in relationships. But we have all experienced people that have hurt us, churches that have hurt us, pastors that have hurt us. And so we've developed a way of thinking, I I don't need anyone. And that wounded child that we talked about for the last couple of weeks is not getting what it needs from the body. Because the body, the biblical words are union and communion, common unity. I believe I've heard these terms in the psychological world of bonding and attachment. And God gives us a spiritual family to help us with the wounds and the hurts that we've experienced in this life because this is how he created things to be. God's word, God's way. We were, we were formed and fashioned for fellowship. We were created for connection because we were made in God's image who is a triune being that functions in community. And he made us like him. And this is how we are to walk this earth. Acts 2 makes it pretty simple. And we'll go, we'll cover this next week. It says all the believers, the church is exploding. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Four very, very simple things. They went over the apostles' teaching. They they had game night, had fellowship. They grilled out. They made some great food. And they prayed for each other. Let's keep it real simple. That, that, That is amazing to just think about what could happen when the simplicity of that would grab a hold of our hearts with a, I need you and you need me. Not, I need, I need this. No, I need you and you need me. We need each other to walk with. We need each other to talk with. We need each other to work with. We need each other to watch out for each other. We need each other to wait and to weep with each other. We need one another to witness. Why? Because we're at war. We're at war with lies. Satan is the father of lies. And we need people in our lives because it brings safety and support. It makes us smarter. Right? Maybe you've heard this, The Law of the Jungle by Rudyard Kipling. Now this is the law of the jungle, as old and as true as the sky. And the wolf that shall keep it may prosper, but the wolf that shall break it must die. As the creeper that girdles the tree trunk, the law runneth forward and back, for the strength of the pack is the wolf. And the strength of the wolf is the pack. In community, as followers of Christ, 
There is so much richness. One African proverb said, when you run alone, you run fast, which is, seems to be what's happening in our society at large. But when you run together, you run far. Hurry is the curse of our generation. And all a curse means is to dam upstream. Right? But you can't do community in a hurry. I mean, you can't listen in a hurry. You can't mourn with somebody in a hurry. You can't rejoice with somebody in a hurry. And I think we've all experienced somebody trying that. Like, oh, what are you going through? Oh, I'm so sorry, man. Oh, wow, I'll be praying for you. No, it requires, it requires that we slow down. And we see it in the life of Jesus. He never ran anywhere. He walked. God walked with Enoch and Noah. He walked. And the word uh, or the phrase, follow me, it translates properly, walk with me. Walk with me. Someone, someone uh, one theologian said, he's a three mile per hour God, which is the, the speed of the soul, the speed of walking. And that's what he wants from us. Let me read a few scriptures just to emphasize this. We need each other. Ecclesiastes 4.9. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Ecclesiastes 4.10. If one person falls, another can reach out and help, but people who are alone when they fall are in real trouble. Hebrews 10.25. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Indeed, let us encourage one another. 1 Corinthians 12.26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. Proverbs 28.26. Only fools trust in what they alone think. In a multitude of counselors, there's safety. We need insight from the outside. Romans 12, 15, be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Ecclesiastes 4, 12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Community is God's answer to loneliness, fatigue, defeat, failure, despair, fear. We need each other to learn to love. That's why we need each other as the body of believers to make investment into the relationships because we need to learn to love. That's the greatest, most important lesson in life is learning to love. Of course, we know that God is love. But not all love is God's. But God's love as the source of life, as the source of identity and security, as the source of love, is what we're to train in, in community. We're going to talk about it. But when the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear, perfect love is love that is received, love that is returned, and love that is given away to others. That's the love that casts out fear. Not simply knowing that God loves me, but me responding out of a heart of admiration and appreciation and gratitude, and I respond to him in worship, and because I'm full, because I know how valuable and loved I am, I give it away to others. That's perfect love. Life's about relationships, not achievements. And the church is a lab to learn to love. It's a Holy Spirit-led laboratory to love one another deeply and earnestly. 
Because love is the most important thing in life. And according to 1 Corinthians 13, I'm not going to read it, but if I don't live a life of love, if I don't learn to love, then nothing I say will matter. Nothing I know will matter. Nothing I believe will matter. Nothing I give will matter. Nothing I accomplish will matter. And love can be learned. Love must be learned. Because we are what we love. And God is love, and his desire is for us to experience the beauty and the shalom and, the, and the, just the, the profound impact of what that is. And so he, he tells us and he shows us all throughout Scripture. Love is a command, John 13, 34. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Love is a choice, 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Go after a life of love as if your life depended on it, because it does. Love is a conduct. 1 John 3, 18, little children, let us stop just saying we love people. Let us really love it, love them, and show it by our actions. And love is a commitment. 1 John 4, 16, we know how much God loves us, and we've put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And here's, here's what you need to take to heart. Here's what we need to take to heart. You can't learn to love by yourself. You can't learn to love by yourself. It, it requires community. And, that, and that's why the words of being united to Christ, it doesn't say dissolved. We, we come into union with him in communion, common unity, as we, as we practice the presence of people. And I, I don't know about you, but love is patient, love is kind. The only way that I develop that kind of love is when the opposite is what I'm dealing with. And I've experienced that in church after church that I've been in. I've had to be kind because sometimes people are mean. I've had to be patient because believers are sometimes impatient. But if you get that, then you don't live in this relationship fantasy where everyone we know and go to church with thinks just like us, is easy to get along with, every conflict is resolved with just happy compromise. That's not reality. Sorry. It's not. But this is the gym, so to speak, of where we begin to develop our muscles for learning to love. Like we're all different. We're all different. We all have different perspectives, different stories. We all have different hurts. We all have different hang-ups and habits. And what does that do? It creates opportunity for conflict. We're all stuck in stories. We all have stories from past hurts and perspectives and bad decisions that cause us to get stuck. And we need each other to help us. And God designed that conflict to bring something beautiful out of you. That's why it's so, so crazy. And those of you watching online, I just want to encourage you. We need face-to-face -face connection. We need one another to be able to develop us into what God had in mind. And we prove our faith not by, in Christ, not by rules we keep. We do it by the love we give. 
And you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. You can't do it. And sometimes what I've found, when we can be overly religious or legalistic, we become critics of people. And so we're more concerned with confronting errors than we are in making connections. And so what we do is we get confused and we want to point out errors of sinfulness rather than seeing weakness in people that God brought us to hear their story. Sin means to miss the mark. For those of us who have accepted the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And one of the things that has helped me immensely is understanding that people don't do things to create problems. They do them to solve problems. Now, they might be doing something to solve their problem in a very unhealthy way, being impacted by the voice of the enemy that seeks to destroy and to hurt them. But if I'll enter, if we'll enter each other's stories and we'll listen and not respond just because we might see something a different way or we might have a different way of doing things, God might just get what he is after in the beautiful thing he calls his bride. 1 John 4, 11, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. In 1 John 4, 19, we love each other because he first, he loved us first. This is proof of being a follower or a disciple of Jesus, our love for one another. We need each other. Point number two, we long to belong. We have a longing for belonging. We have a deep desire for relationships and connection and being seen and being uh, valued and being soothed and being uh, in, a, in a place of safety. We all do. God wired us this way. Even if you've suppressed it and pushed it down and so that muscle is, is, is atrophied, so to speak, it, it is in us. This is what we long for. And, and we can't do it simply in a large gathering, looking at the back of each other's heads. We can't. We need to get together in each other's homes and break bread and play games and pray for each other. That's why the worst kind of punishment is solitary confinement. But we have. We've stuffed it. We've suppressed it. We've believed the lies of the enemy. We've heard over and over again. And that's why I said we, 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 we've heard it, right? You've got to do this on your own. That narrative gets rehearsed. But it's his word, it's his way. Again, Romans 12, 5. Since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other. Is that your perspective? 1 Peter 3, 8, out of the Living Bible, it says, you should be like one big family full of sympathy toward each other. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, it says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Hebrews 13, 1, Keep being concerned about each other as the Lord's followers should. And we see in the life of Paul and in his letters, he mentions over a hundred people by name. If you read Romans 16, he, he calls out 26 people. And in Colossians 4, he calls out 10 people because they were instrumental. You matter. 
I matter. We matter together. This is why he brings us together. And it's not like nextdoor.com or Neighborhood Watch where people just watch out for your stuff. It's so that we can watch out for one another's souls, that we can get involved in the dirt, in the muck, in the mire, and we can help one another to be healed. Question, is anybody watching out for your soul? Maybe you've got some people watching out for your stuff, but is there anybody watching out for your soul? That's what the body of believers is for. And point number three, why? We get better. We grow emotionally healthier. We grow stronger. We go further. We reach further. Now, we've made this statement here before, and I just want to kind of talk about it for just a second, but do you want feel better friends or get better friends? You want people who are just going to make you feel better, or do you want people who are going to help you get better? Here's, here's after thinking about this, I want both. <laughs> I want both if people who are going to make me feel better and get better, right? That, that's right. And, and just let's go through this. Ephesians 4.16, as each part does its work, it helps the other parts grow. So Christ's whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. This is the mark. 1 Corinthians 12, and read a few passages here, 14 through 20. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? No. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? It's like, how? Or if your whole body were an ear, that was totally weird. How would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. I mean, how more basic can, can it be for us to get that? You can't say to the people that are sitting around you, I don't need you. But sometimes we do, indirectly. And we do it because we gather up our stuff and we walk out as quickly as we can. We miss the opportunity to stay around and ask deeper questions and invite people over to just get started, to watch a game, to grill out, to have a cup of coffee, to find out more about who they are, to honor them, to love them, to appreciate them. And I really think it's, it, it has to do with the fact that love is very much unnatural for us. I mean, selfishness, pride, insecurity, those sometimes feel more natural for people, right? We, we, we fear exposure, just like in Genesis 3.10, Adam had, had messed up, made a mistake. I was, and it says to God, I was afraid because I was naked and so I hid. We can identify with that. We, we, we fear exposure, that someone might know how I've been hurt and then how will they treat me. Someone might know what I've done. And those that are, are healthy in the body that have actually had to walk that scary path, realize when they have become vulnerable in the safety of healthy followers of Jesus, that it isn't that way. And in fact, the exposure and vulnerability creates a bond because we all go, oh, you're not perfect, dude. Oh, me either. Oh, thank God. Well, let's grow together, though. I don't want to stay unhealthy and messed up, but, but wow, 
I, I, I will tell people often when they, when they talk about what they've been through, because you get fixated staring on something that can feel like a label over your life. And I say, do you know how you got there? So, so this happened, because this had to happen in my life. I felt the weight of the condemnation. I felt the weight of being a moron and what I had done. And then God's like, hey, let's talk about how we got here. And, and that helped me so much. We need to be the kind of people that say, hey, hey, Let's find out how you got there. Tell me your story. Tell me where you are. Tell me what you've been through. Where have you been? Where are you going? I want to walk with you. I want to work with you. We have to train and practice to be able to think and act in loving ways. I just want you to know that. You just, it just didn't arrive. We can't sprinkle magic dust on you and suddenly you act in loving ways. It has to be practiced. You have to practice the presence of people. Learn to love in God's laboratory. And all that, we, that, that is so simplified for us, the blueprint that God gives us, is, is found over a hundred times, like, like salt sprinkled on popcorn. Is, is, it's the Greek word alelon, and it, and it means um, for one another, of one another. All these one another's that are in Scripture. And it's found there because... It's something for us to practice. And so Philippians 2.4, look out for another's interest, not just your own. 1 Peter 3.8, finally, everyone must live in harmony and be sympathetic, love each other, have compassion, and be humble. It's not easy. It's got to be practiced. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, so encourage each other, build each other up, strengthen one another. James 5.16, we could list it last, but there's... there's over 50 of these in the New Testament. They're, they're so beautiful because they're a blueprint of how we're supposed to essentially work out. Admit your faults to one another. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and produces wonderful results. And this is what's on the table. This is the why. And, and here's what's at stake. John 13, 35. Your love for one another, as the body of believers, will prove to the world that you're my disciples. For one another. Galatians 6.10. Every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. That's where we're supposed to start. How many of you would like to see uh, the gospel taken to the ends of the earth and people getting saved? Okay, six of us. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, it starts right here. It's, it's in, in order is important in Scripture. It starts with us. 2 Timothy 1.7, For the Holy Spirit, God's gift, does not want you to be afraid of people, but to be wise and strong and to love them and enjoy being with them. I know. I know that's not always the case. And that's why you have to train for it. Philippians 1.27, Above all else, you must live in a way that brings honor to the good news about Christ. Then, whether I visit you or not, I'll hear that all of you think alike in that measure. I will know that you're working together and that you're struggling side by side to get others to believe the good news. As we walk together and we witness with each other, there's strength. There's insight. There's perspective. I'll, I'll end with this. 1 Peter 4.9 says, open your homes to each other without complaining, right? Now, there's a difference. I'll say this for our community. There's a difference between entertaining people and showing hospitality. 
Entertaining is having people come over to check out your stuff. Check out my new TV. Look at what I got. Entertaining. Hospitality, it's, it's sandwiched between two words. Hospice, which means shelter, and hospital, which means a place to heal. And this is what hospitality is. And I just want to challenge us. Some of us are, are really strong in this, and you need to help those who aren't. Some of us, this is not on our radar. This is not consistent in our lives. And I just want to ch just challenge you. What, what habits, what beliefs are keeping you from being hospitable in Christ-centered community? What's keeping you from gathering with whatever that frequency is? Every other week, once a month, with a group of people to talk about the teachings, to have fellowship, to share a meal, and to pray for for each other. I mean, what's keeping you from that? This is, a, this is a priority. It's a priority in God's kingdom. And I was thinking about this. Uh, years ago, uh, I, was, I was working in an environment where I had three computer screens in front of me and I, I was seated all the time. And after being seated for such a long time, just one day out of nowhere, I could not move, could not get up, I could not walk, and I, I had to actually be escorted by people carrying me out of the building. It's embarrassing. I had to get in my car, and I, I mean, I was just, if you've ever had a lower back issue, you know what I'm talking about. So I went, got an MRI, found out that my L4, my L5 were herniated, and it was months of just, like, being frozen. It's terrible. And as I, as I sought to alleviate what was, what was happening, you know, the most simple of things made a big change for me. I just started to make movement. I started to make movement. I had been seated for such a long time, so I started to make some changes to make movement. I started standing rather than sitting all the time. And I say that because I think for many of us, that's kind of been the posture. We've been seated, and we need the next step, just the next step, because I know our hearts long for this. We need each other. I need you, and you need me. You need the people that are sitting around you. You don't know their stories, and you're wondering how God is going to meet you with wisdom and how he's going to provide support for you. And I guarantee you, they're sitting around you, the body of Christ. Believers are right there that will bring healing and wholeness and hope and restoration of innocence. They're right there. But you have to take a step and not realize it takes courage. And I just want to encourage us in two really simple steps. If you're, if you're currently not in a community, a Christ-centered community of believers, you can go to dolifetogether.com. And that's our page for life groups. And you don't even have to sign up. Just say, I'm interested, all right? Make it easy. I'm just interested. I'm not, I'm not committing to anything. I'm interested. And we want to sit down and we want to have a conversation. But maybe, maybe you are ready to open your home in hospitality. And you'd say, I, I want to lead a life group. Because God knows there are neighborhoods positioned all over this community where God calls us to gather. And this year, I know for our family, 
we're in. Would you ask the Lord, am I to lead a life group? Am I to join a life group? And for our men, we've had such a tremendous experience this year. It's so simple what we've done. I believe that God has given us a path this year for our men. And so on January the 28th will be our first men's night to kick off fight clubs for our men and our, our men's boot camps that will take place. I just want you to sign up, be a part, make an invitation. Don't do life alone. God didn't design, design you to do that. You weren't created for that. You were created for connection. And we're going to have to learn together. And this is how we come together to do it. Because it's time for the church to be the church. And the church, the called out ones, is not less than Sunday service services. It is, however, far more. Anybody attest to that? Anybody experiencing that, that you're experiencing that it is far more? When you gather in homes and you've, you've had a group, a tribe of, of believers to pray for you and you pray for them and to share in rich fellowship. Because we live in the Western world in a spiritual apocalypse right now. And we need a thick web of interdependent relationships. We need to return to God's word and God's way. And we're not just against evil, we're for good. That's what shalom is, this thick web of interconnected people that are going after bringing beauty to the earth and speaking wisdom from some of their failures to those who are learning and growing so that individuals can get stronger, families can get stronger, parents can get stronger, children can be brought up in loving delight, adults can handle this anger that they've been experiencing because they're not just created to have some egocentric operating system, but we're to be people of love and trust and freedom, justice for all, unity, connected to the source of life. We need you, God, and we need each other. It's the beautiful church. We must practice the presence of God and we must practice the presence of people. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And all I really want you to do is just to ask the Holy Spirit, what are you, what are you speaking to me? I'm gonna invite our altar ministry to just come to the front, but just right now, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? What is my current rhythm as, as it relates to relationship with Christ-centered community? Sure, I have friends, but do I have believers that will pray for me? Do I have people that will come to me to create connection? And maybe the Holy Spirit's saying, you just need to let go. Let go of, of the hurts. Let go of the abuse that you experienced from people, pastors, those in the church. Just let those go. And maybe you feel the Holy Spirit saying, let's grow. Let's grow. Let's get connected to people and let's grow this year. And maybe you're here just asking the Holy Spirit, would you teach me? Would you teach me to need others? Because I feel like somewhere my truster is really broken and I just need you to teach me. Awaken my longing for belonging. Show me 
where I may have stuffed it or suppressed it. I just want to be healed. I just want to be whole. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.